0: Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca.
1: Last week, um, for those that were here we talked a little bit and shared a little bit about the history of WCF. That's kind of cool, right? There's a lot that went into the history of this building um, in this church. And so it's been 40 years. It's our 40th anniversary this year. Um, And so last week, Marilyn and Nello, they talked um about just a bit about the foundation today. They have another video from Marilyn and Margie, and they're just going to go a little bit deeper into um our church roots. So stay tuned for that. And then pastor RJ has a message on the cross. Good morning my name is Marilyn and you heard me speaking last week with my brother-in-law Nello and this week I'm with my sister Margie and uh, the the two of us would like to share today probably one of the most fun times we've had in church in our whole lives Mm -hmm. that I can think of anyway Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk to you a little bit about children and the value of children but I wanted to start by just saying to you that um, In the complexity of the world today, we don't realize that sometimes there's a spiritual battle going on. And it's the spiritual battle between good and evil. And it's important, I think, today that we help our children to understand that God loves them and he's with them. But there's also uh, an evil uh, spirit out there, Satan. And uh, in that battle, we are winners when we understand God's word and the perspective of God's word. So we are in a battlefront. There's an author called George Barna. He wrote a book called Transforming Our Children into Spiritual Champions. And he said that the battlefront today is in the minds and the hearts and the souls of our children. And he basically was saying that if we don't transform our children into spiritual giants, then our church is only one generation away from extinction because our church has to grow and we need that generational approach. So it's really important that we teach our children. Statistics in his book show, because he's a prolific, George Barnett is a prolific researcher, and he writes in his book that most children come to know the Lord between the ages of 13 and 15 years. And uh, 32% of those children who learn to, to know God at that age will become Christians for most of their lives. And after that, he said, into the teen years, it's very hard to reach children and and youth. So it's really, really important that we get that gospel into kids at a very young age. He also says that by the time a child is six up to nine years old, their values, their moral development is pretty well fixed. So helping us uh, to understand that as parents and also as children's workers, we feel it's so important that we have a lively and good program for our children.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I think when Marilyn says their, their character, I don't know, you didn't say character, their morals or something is fixed. Nothing is fixed with Jesus. Everything right. is, is changeable. And uh, so that always was part of our philosophy is um, children were so, so important to the church. We wanted to invest everything we could into them. And there was a scripture that I really appreciated when Jesus, um, he rebuked the disciples because they were trying to keep the kids away from him. And he said, let the little children come unto me. And and when he saw the children, it says he actually picked them up in his arms Mm -hmm. and he touched them. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And so I think for us, for children's ministry, it was just our way of putting these kids in the arms of Jesus and knowing God could do amazing things in their lives. And, uh, you know, I just want to take this time, too, to thank all those people over the 40 years that were um, leaders or volunteers in children's ministry, because I believe you are still your work is still impacting generations ahead and um, we're to never lose hope and um, yeah so basically that's what I wanted to say.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We, uh, We downloaded a few pictures so that you can see them And uh, they'll show you these pictures now, uh, slides of us in Children's Church. And you'll notice as as you look towards the end, near the end, there's a slide there of someone that everyone should know in our church, maybe even sitting in our service today. It's Noel Perry, or uh, uh, actually now Matchett, Noel Matchett. Uh, She is doing Scripture Scramble, which was a game that we had where we would have the children memorize scripture and then after they knew the scripture, then we would play some music and they'd have to put the words up. And it was our way of helping kids to learn scripture and to get it into their heart. You'll also notice there's a picture there of this uh, costume that my husband and I made. <laughs> it's a costume of Satan. And um, we, we did a little skit with the kids. And after we had the costume all made, I, I was dressed as Satan and I was in the background Uh, and Margie was sitting at a bus stop determining whether she wanted to go to school or not. She was fearful, as you were saying, and a little bit uh, contemplating what things might happen at school. And so in her mind, there was a battle going on, and I came out, walked out um, as Satan, and we had about 100 kids, I think, in our class. And when I walked out, the kids in the front row, kind of all backed up.
0: And if you look at that costume, you can see it is actually quite frightening. I wanted I to- I mean, that was the first time we had him come out. Yes. And, and I'm sitting there as this little girl and I'm looking at the kids and they're all like yeah, like this like this. <laughs> we didn't realize what, how it was gonna impact the kids. So we had to kind of pull it back a bit, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. Yes. But I think it's important for kids to know not only is God there, but Mm -hmm. there is an evil spirit, a real real enemy. enemy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we wanted them to know, we didn't want to mince words with them. We wanted to know that they are in a battle. And uh, so that's why we felt that it was so important to get the word of God down deep in them. But anyway, after that, rather than using uh, Satan or the devil for a while, we used this rubber red hand and we would have him knock on the door and present a gift and the kids by that time knew right. never take anything from him. So whenever they heard that knock on the door and they saw that red hen, they'd all be screaming at us, don't take anything from the devil, right. <laughs> only from God. So we had a very, very good time. It was a lot of fun in there. We did some of the most amazing things with these children. and. Uh, I'm, I'm And, and to say too, yeah.
0: there's many different um, children's leaders that mm-hmm. came after us yes. that did different, uh, did things differently than us. But I know that was, has always been the priority for WCF is, yes. is to really have a good um, solid children's ministry where we're really, really training these kids up in the word and all those things. Yeah, yeah. Things. we
1: wanted them to have church like adult church. So they, we wanted them to have worship. We, we would have prayer lines with these kids. We would bring them to the front, and, and uh, we had all kinds of activities. We wanted it to be fun. We didn't want it to be like school, and we wanted the kids to just be so excited about coming to Children's Church every Sunday. Finally, uh, the last thing we kind of want to talk about is that in July of 1985, we decided that the church would have some kind of an outreach for children. We wanted to uh, present the church to our community, and so we decided to uh, do a float for the Freedom Festival that year. <laughs> and um, we, we, did, we haven't been able to stop laughing about that every time we talk about that because somebody loaned us or allowed us to use a great big transport truck, and uh, we built this huge mountain. It was the mountain of the Lord, and then we put these holes in the side of the mountain where puppets would come out, and we were playing the song J-E-S-U-S, and uh, as we were getting the float ready, we had all of our kids lined up with the armor of the Lord, so they had their swords and their helmets, and they were marching ahead, and the kids were so excited about being mm-hmm. in a parade. Mm-hmm. That year, we won the Bob Upcott Award, which was the most prestigious award of all the floats for that particular Freedom Festival, so that was really exciting.
0: I, I think we need to say too that out of the top of the mountain was smoke and balloons filled with scriptures going out all over the city, um, but the smoke almost killed the people that were inside doing the puppets <laughs> at the mountain, but we survived it, but yeah, we got an award.
1: Yes. We were, I was one of the people inside, and um, nobody told us that it would be so dark in there or that every time that the float had to stop in the parade, all that smoke would come up into inside the mountain and we were all gasping for air. But we had no idea when the float was going to stop. So many times, many of us fell off our chairs <laughs> or, or fell over so... It was a very funny time, and and like I say, we can't stop laughing about that even today because there was a lot of stuff going on inside of that thing. Maybe you had to be there, but you had to be there, yeah. (laughs) But even after that, a lot of people in the city, and you were saying that you found balloons with scripture in South Windsor, so... It was a wonderful time, but it was our way of reaching out to the city of Windsor, and I have to say that um, I have recorded in my little journal that I kept of the history of the church that we saw a lot of new people uh, within a couple of weeks after that time at our church who were coming to spy out what kind of children's church program we had. So we hope you enjoy. We have a little clip of that uh, uh, video showing the float. Don Daly is the one who's speaking, and so we'll just let you enjoy that video now.
0: This is the children's church float. It's a mountain peak surrounded by clouds. It is uh, apparently being drawn by two clowns by the bucket. On the mountain peak, of course, are the puppets and the praise puppy. Windsor Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational family church with a float.
3: Good morning, everyone. So glad to see you all today. So, we had an amazing time at our encounter this weekend. And uh, there was a lot of transformation that happened. But now I want to change gears and go to the goodness of God. And today we're going to be focusing on the cross. And I have one statement that I want to make at the beginning that will set the tone for the rest of today's message. The cross of Christ, not your circumstances, measures God's goodness and love for you. And if I can explain that over the rest of this message, I'll be thrilled. What Jesus did at the cross for you demonstrates God's goodness and love towards you. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the power of God. And, and when Jesus went to the cross, he made a way for the Holy Spirit's power to come inside of us so that we can live a holy life like he lived, so that we can live a righteous life like he lived, so that we can accomplish good things like he did good things, And for many in this world system today, when we talk about the cross of Christ, when we talk about living a crucified life, when we talk about laying down your life, laying down your selfish ambition, laying down your dreams, letting them die, it's foolishness to them. But they will perish outside of Christ. Even though they think it's foolish, they're still going to perish. They're still going to spend eternity apart from him. But we who know Christ, the Christ followers, the ones that have the inner witness based on the Holy Spirit, at salvation. We are the ones that know how to demonstrate the power of God to this planet. And if there's ever been a time when the planet Earth needs to see an outpouring and a demonstration of the power of God through his people here on planet Earth, it's now. Yeah. Now salvation, that's what Jesus made a way for at the cross, is a demonstration of God's goodness to all of us. He saved us from sin. He saved us from the curse, from separation from God. He actually became sin on the cross so that we could be made righteous. Second Corinthians 5.21, Amplified Translation. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to judiciously be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, here's the translation, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. The relationship you have with God is based on his loving kindness and his mercy that is directed towards you and it was most fully realized and demonstrated at the cross. One of the best passages for us in the Bible is Romans chapter five. If you start looking at verse six, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He was sacrificed on your behalf before you even realized that you needed someone to save you. I mean, is anyone in here 100 years old? Any 90-year-olds? Okay, we can count backwards from there, 80, 70, 60, 50, 40. Some of you are a little bit on the younger spectrum. I see one over here that's pretty young. And some are a little bit older. But somewhere between 1900 and 2000 years, 19 centuries and, and two millennium ago, okay, depending on when you were born, Christ came to planet earth before anyone even dreamed about you. Before you were even conceived, before you were imagined. Because you know you might have your parents and your grandparents and your great and your great-great-grandparents. But most of the time they focus on what their children and their children's children and their children's children and sometimes you get five generations. But 2,000 years, nobody even imagined that you would exist today. But Jesus knew that you were going to exist today. And he came and lived among us, 100% God, 100% human, lived a sinless life, and allowed himself to go to a cross and be sacrificed on your behalf for your sin. Because he knew that you would need a Savior today. Now, I want you to understand... Long before you existed, Jesus made a pathway for you to be saved. Romans 6, verses 5 to 8 in the Amplified. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. The cross set you free from the power of sin. Jesus went to the cross to set you free from the power of sin. If you're alive in Christ and you're free from the shackles, the slavery, the bondage of sin, it's because Christ went to the cross. And I want you to understand something. If God never, ever, double negative, I love it, kind of, doesn't ever do anything, if God doesn't ever do anything for you, he's already done enough when he went to the cross. He's already demonstrated overwhelming goodness, mercy, and grace by going to the cross on your behalf. He lived a sinless life and was executed by his political enemies. Well, kind of. But more accurately, as the scriptures foretold, he was the sacrificial lamb of God who paid the sin debt of every human. This demonstrates how much God loves you and how much God has a plan for your life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you understanding what happens in a crucifixion? Like, crucifixion is messy, painful, okay? Not pretty. It wasn't a pretty way to die. You know, in some countries, when they execute people today, it's sanitized. They give them a shot. They put them to sleep. Their heart stops. It's sanitized. Crucifixion was like a horrible, brutal way to go, okay? One of the most painful ways to die now, here's the thing you got to understand: How many of you love someone so much that you would be willing to be crucified for them? You know, I love my wife. If I had to go to the cross for her, I would. But then I have to ask myself, do I die to my own stuff every day and serve her and love her? We who love each other might be willing to die for each other. Right? Conversely, wives... Husbands, you know, are you willing to die to yourself and serve your spouse and love them sacrificially, even when it means you don't get your own way? I told my first service that I preached the same thing even when you were here. (laughs) Maybe a little stronger on the women need to serve their husbands. No, I'm just kidding. My wife is awesome. My wife is awesome. Okay. Some of you would be willing to die for someone you love a crucifixion. Some of you are going, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I like you, but not that much. (laughs) But here's what I want you to get to. Would you be willing to be crucified for the people that have hurt you the most? For the people that you would consider not your friends? For the people you don't like? For your enemies? For that guy that was driving the wrong way down the street the other day and I almost got in a head on collision? Would you be willing to go to the cross for them? Because if your answer is no, and I don't know how we would answer that, but the truth is then we need to work on our love walk because Christ went to the cross for people who will reject him, for people who will mock him, for people who will never accept his love and his mercy in their lives. And he was still willing to be crucified, one of the most brutal deaths we could ever see for humanity. No one will ever convince me that the goodness of God was not demonstrated towards humans at the cross. He made a way back into relationship with the Father. Jesus sacrificed He was sacrificed to pay your sin debt and my sin debt. We could have never paid it off. Not in 10,000 lifetimes could we pay off the debt of our sin. There's so much more on the cross than just forgiveness of sins that God demonstrated his goodness. He gave us eternal life, freedom from the curse, healing, peace. We can make a longer list of things that God accomplished for us at the cross. But I'll say this, even when we watch the videos, and they do a pretty good job of trying to portray what happened and the violence and the the ugliness of it. But how could a Hollywood producer ever capture God pouring out his wrath against sin for all of humanity on Jesus when he was on the cross that day? You can't capture that on film. But our Savior was willing to endure that because at the cross, he demonstrated the ultimate goodness. For people that are even his enemies, he died for them. Just like he died for you, who were once his enemies. Right? You were once an enemy of God, you know that, right? Even if you grew up in the church, there was a day when you broke the Ten Commandments. And people go, well, I, didn't, I didn't break all of them. <laughs> you sure? Well, I never killed anyone. Well, yeah, if you hate someone, it's the same as murder. What are you trying to say? I'm saying we're all sinners and we were all enemies of God in our state of sin. Even while we were his enemies, long before we existed, Christ came to planet Earth to make a way for us to be back into relationship with the Father. And by the way, he paid the penalty against us. <sighs> It's important to know, because we're talking in this series about how God is good. The cross of Jesus made a bridge between God and mankind. But when you do good things, I don't want you to forget the source of the goodness that you're operating in. Because if you think you're good in and of yourself, you quickly become arrogant and prideful. Look how great I am. You don't just do good things to please God. Right. You are good because of the work that Jesus did at the cross. And I want you to listen to this verse in Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who produces the fruit? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God within you. Love, joy, peace, patience. What's the next one? And the one after that? Goodness, goodness and faithfulness. See, the goodness that you operate in is a fruit of the Spirit that's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit living inside of your life. You don't do good things apart from the good God. See, theologically, angels, and I don't want to teach on angels today, but there's some elect or holy angels, and there's some angels that are fallen. How many know this? read your Bible, you'll see a third of heaven rebelled against God and were judged and cast down to earth with Lucifer. One third. So that means there's two thirds that are still true to God. At the end of their probationary period, their testing time, the angels that stayed true to God now forever will be righteous angels and holy angels, not because they're holy and righteous in and of themselves. They're not good of themselves. They get their holiness and their goodness from the creator. Just like us humans, while you're alive in time and space on planet earth, the day will come when your probation, your testing time ends, and you will go to the next life. And you will either go to the next life with the confidence and assurance of knowing that you accepted the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for you and your sins are forgiven, or you will stand before God one day and bow your knee before him and confess Jesus as Lord, and the judgment will not be fun. Because you didn't accept, you didn't acknowledge, and you didn't walk out the path that he made a way for you to have. And at that point, you will either be good forever or apart from God forever. While you are here on earth in this process, the goodness that we have comes from God. He's good, his spirit's in us, he gives us the ability to produce good things. It was the cross that made that available to us. James 1:17, wherever or whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created the lights in the heavens. Psalms 31:19, how great the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those to come to you for protection, blessing them before watch, the watching world. Are, are you understanding that the psalmist understood something that God has stored up good things for you? but the way that you access the good things that God has stored up for you is death. You die to yourself, you die to your selfishness, you die to your ambitions, you die to your dreams, you die to your desires, you die to your flesh. Which means when Paul says, I die daily, or Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, what is he talking about? We live a crucified life. As Christians, our life does not belong to us. Maybe that's revolutionary for you today. It's 100% true. Your life is not your own. You exchanged it. When you bowed to Jesus and repented of your sin, there was an exchange that took place. You surrendered your life to him and his lordship and his authority, and he paid off your sin debt. It was a good deal for you, I promise. You know, there's all this stuff going on with the monarchy over in Europe, Britain right now. You know, Queen Elizabeth went on to the next life and her son's taken over. And there's people that are for it and people that are against it and people are judging this and people are judging that. And the truth is, I don't know. But I'll tell you this much. It is much easier to serve a monarch that demonstrably has made it clear that they have their subject's best interest in mind. How many of you know this is true? Okay. And, and what happens is our King, Jesus, has demonstrated when he went to the cross on your behalf that he has your best interest in mind. And when we understand the kingdom of God, we understand that when he says, do this or don't do this or act like I act or take on my nature or listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you and develop the fruit, it's for your benefit. But Satan today, just like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden, he questions God's intent. And he puts question marks in your mind about God's thoughts towards you, God's plans towards you, God's intent towards you. Did God really say? Maybe God's trying to keep something from you. (laughs) You're absolutely right, Adam and Eve. He was trying to keep something from you. Pain and suffering, shame, the curse, He was absolutely trying to protect you. He had your best interests in mind, but you believed the lie that he didn't, so you had to go investigate. How'd that work out for humanity? See, God has good things stored up for us. When we exchange our life at the foot of the cross, and our life no longer belongs to us because we are his creation, we're his sons and daughters, you know, You want to operate in the authority of Christ, you have to be fully submitted to Christ. You're not submitted to his authority, you're not submitted to Christ, you don't get to operate in his authority. Think about that. He made us ambassadors. We're supposed to represent him on planet Earth, but how well do we represent? Oh, we look nice and shiny on Sunday when we're sitting in church with all our friends. I'm a good Christian. we look at the person next to us and I'm a better Christian than him. Just like the Pharisees, right? Oh God, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner over here. (laughs) Give me a break. God has goodness stored up for you. Are you fully surrendered to him? Are Are you willing to give your life to Christ? Are you willing to allow God to have his way? Over your plans, are you willing to be obedient no matter what the cost? Sometimes there's a cost to following Christ, isn't there? Cost you your reputation. Sometimes it costs you your friends. Some people it costs them their life, their family, their livelihood. It's time that we as God's people really start getting serious about what we believe, about what God's word says, and start living accordingly. You know, there's an expression, put your money where your mouth is. If Christians would simply (laughs) put their money where their mouth is, if Christians would simply live like Christ encourages us to live. You know, you read through the New Testament, and Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. Man, the Corinthian church was messed up. They had some problems. They had issues. So it tells me that we're probably going to have issues today. But what the Corinthian church didn't have, and what we don't have, is excuses. We have the spirit of truth within us. We have God's revelation of truth. There's no excuse. We can make excuses, but God's not going to take our excuses. And, and we have to come to a place where, you know what? Okay, God, I believe you're good. I believe that you accomplished goodness on the cross for me, and I am willing to do what you want me to do and go where you want me to go and say what you want me to say. That's an obedient statement. But practically, what does that look like? What do you mean you want my ties? What do you mean all you want is my money? I don't want your money. God wants your heart. If he's got your heart, he's got your money. I joke all the time, but there's a lot of truth in it. I tell my wife, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is yours. We are a covenant relationship before God. Everything I have is my wife's, and everything she has is mine. We're one unit. We do life together. If you're one with Christ, everything he has is yours. You have access to everything in his kingdom, but you have to live united. I mean, how many times do we have friction in relationships, usually because one or the other is selfish? We're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not doing what they're supposed to. Sometimes both aren't doing what they're supposed to. Right. Stand up with me as we get ready to go into communion. You know, I want to read this. Most of you have heard it at some point in your journey. I'd be stunned if you didn't know this passage. Oh, this is a bonus for someone. You know, the devil knows the Bible too, and he likes to quote it at you for his own purposes. Anytime you try to use the Word of God to manipulate or control someone, you're operating in Satan's purposes, not God's. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessings. Now catch this next line. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, the psalmist had a revelation of something. God is good. His mercy towards you is unfailing and his love towards you is never ending. The only thing that can keep you from the love of God is yourself. Failure to lay down your pride. Failure to surrender. Failure to repent. Fathers, we come to the table today. We have the cup in our hand and the bread. And I know, Lord, that this way for represent your body that was broken, broken from my sin, really broken from my healing, and to free me from the curse. Jesus took all of my sin, and I am forever grateful to you, God, for making a way for me to know you, for me to have healing in my mind, healing in my body. So, Father, restore every heart. Restore the wounds to health and wholeness. Help each person find freedom in you. Speak to all sickness and disease and say you must go in the name of Jesus. Father, pour out your healing power upon your people right now. Release your church from hell's grip. And Lord, together we stand united as we acknowledge the goodness of God and we're grateful for the cross in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we have the cup, your blood, a new covenant, help us to not forget the price you paid, the impossible debt that you paid relieved us of. The great lengths you went to demonstrate your goodness towards us and your good thoughts towards us and your good purposes towards us. Father, forgive us for apathy. Forgive us for gossip. Forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for a lack of faith. Father, we release others And in turn, we receive forgiveness and we release ourselves as well. Help us to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Let goodness come forth in your people. Put a love in our hearts for the lost. Put a love in our hearts for those that don't treat us as we want to be treated. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate your grace and goodness to this lost and dying world. In Jesus' name. As Dave and Carolyn come, I just want to encourage you if you need prayer for whatever reason, there will be some people at the altar to pray for you after the service. Feel free to come forward.
1: Thank you so much, Pastor RJ, for challenging us with the hard questions this morning. With truth, I mean, we get truth every Sunday and I'm so grateful for that. Um, And we love and appreciate both you and Pastor Mary. Um. There's a song. It's, I don't know how old it is. It's quite old. But the Newsboys put out a song a long time ago called The Cross Has the Final Word. And I'm going to read a few lines just picked out from the verses. Uh, Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final word. Evil may put up its strongest fight, but the cross has the final word. The Savior has come with the morning light. But the cross has the final word.
2: Want well, to encourage us for our next encounter, yesterday was wild. We uh, had gone by our house at 7.30 this morning. Her and I, sharing, sitting in our front porch. It was, you'd have thought there was a whole bunch more than two people there. And uh, with the women separated from the guys, we just kept sharing back and forth stuff that was going on all day. In reference to the cross, we know that we have an enemy, you know that we have a thief that tries to steal stuff from us that has already been given to us, and one of the major footholds of him is trying to convince you that what happened on the cross is not receptive to you something happened in your past whatever you are not worthy of what he did on the cross well jesus went there for you to receive everything you will ever need spiritually and most of all the forgiveness that we need at the cross when you hear that little fiery dart coming in saying you're not part of the crowd that's in here you return it with the word of god we're told about the sword of the spirit being so powerful when jesus was all done he said it is finished. It's gone. It's done. That's all you have to tell the enemy. Go on, get, because this is what my Savior did for me. I want to remind you guys of all the fighting that was going on last week, spiritually, trying to mess up this encounter. uh, I'd like to encourage us to keep on praying for our leadership. They go through some really heavy stuff that A lot of times they don't want to share with us what's going on, but we need to hold them up in prayer. They are our leadership, and we are following after them and holding them up before the Lord. We want to see them in a position where, sorry to say it, but a lot of pastors never make it past six and a half years as being pastors. We want ours to fulfill the destiny that God has for them. So bring them out, get in some spiritual warfare for our leadership, because they sure got picked on last week. Thank you, Jesus. Windsor Christian Fellowship. You have been equipped. Be in the oh, you can do better than that. You have been equipped. Be in the church. There you go. Thanks you guys. Enough for every winter I'm served. I'm seeing beyond my circumstance. This joy that I have is my inheritance. Joy, this is the joy of the Lord. The chorus says,
3: The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy.